This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And we're going to have a good one for you again here. Liam Hendricks, the all-star, is going to be stopping by. And so much respect for Liam and what he's doing in his career. How about Corbin Joseph? Corbin Joseph, you know, ever since he's come up, it's been fun to watch. You know, he's a guy that's 30 years old, didn't know if he was going to get back to the big leagues after getting up with the Yankees in 2013, the Orioles in 2018. But Corbin Joseph is back in the big leagues. We got a chance to sit down with him on A's Cast Live. Tom Verducci of Sports Illustrated and the MLB Network, one of the top journalists and now broadcasters in all of baseball. And then we'll have Steve Sparks, the knuckleballer, the former Oakland Athletic, who now does television and radio for the Houston Astros. So those are the four we're going to have for you today on A's Unfiltered. And we're going to start with Liam Hendricks. Liam, you talk about a turnaround in a career. Here's a guy that was DFA'd on June 25th last year. Next thing you know, he's starting the wild card game. Now he's an all-star, and he's an extraordinary closer right now. And he really is a tough guy. But he's doing so much away from the field that makes you love him, too. What he's doing to help kids, what he's doing to help people, stop bullying, what he's now doing with Tony LaRusso and Arf, he's a guy that wants to make he wants to make the world a better place while he's here. And all at the same time, he's turned into an unbelievable closer. I always love sitting down with him. I actually think we've had him on A's Cast Live more than anybody else. He loves coming on, and uh, here's my conversation with the 2019 All-Star. One of the great things about doing the show right from the field is you never know who is going to stop by, and today it's the All-Star. Liam Hendricks is with us here on A's Cast Live. How are you doing? I'm good. I feel like I do this a lot. I feel like it's not just a the generic thing. I feel like I'm always over here just stopping by, saying a lot. It's almost like you should have a weekly show. It is, but, uh, I mean, is there a long enough slot for me? That's the thing. Well, you know what it is? I need to get a sponsor and get you some money. There you go. And then we do a weekly show. And then that money goes straight into funneling what we do off the field with the strikeout bullying and the uh, the off and the Tony LaRouche's Animal Rescue Foundation. Or we could have them all sponsor the actual show and give them pub every single week. Hey, I mean, whatever, whatever raises exposure for them, I mean, I'm always in for it. You know, I was down in the bullpen earlier today watching Brett Anderson do his uh, workout today, and I was looking just, look at, you know, at, at the iPad and looking at Rapsodo and what all the information it gives you right away. It's just amazing what the technology that we have, that a guy can get on the mound, throw one pitch, and you can dissect everything that that ball does. Is that something you utilize? Is it something that you want to – dabble in or do you look at every single pitch how do you utilize all this technology so i bought one this offseason for that specific reason because i went into this offseason like okay i need to just uh it for me it was a, lot, a little bit of velocity gauge where i can kind of track where i'm going but also for me it was a uh, a spin axis to make sure like my spin percentage like my spin axis so making sure it wasn't on too too far on the side of the ball on full seams uh and i also bought it to work on my two seam and curveball so uh it obviously really didn't work on my two seam because i haven't thrown one since april so that was out the door, but uh, the curveball I've used a little bit more, and I've been able to have a little bit more success by just tweaking and talking to the like, things like that. But um, one of the biggest things for me was I met Trevor Bauer this in spring training this year, 
spoke to him about what he did with all his stuff because he's big into all the spin yeah. axes, spin rate, and all of this. And talking to him about it, he goes, yeah, just, uh, he goes, it may feel weird, but just have that immediate response to be able to look at something and be like, man, that felt weird, but it came out really well. So if I can continue getting that and make it a little bit more comfortable, we should be golden. Yeah, and I was thinking from a standpoint of a pitcher, like with a hitter, you can take a million hacks, right? You can take a million hacks off the tee and the cage and work on so many things. There's so only so many reps you can do as a pitcher because you don't want to hurt yourself. So I think that getting this analysis, like you say, it may feel weird, but it looks great. That may be the, hey, this is how I need to change because this is telling me this is the better way to do it. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely throw a million balls. You just probably won't be able to pick up your arm for another week. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just it's having that immediate response, being able to, like, kind of track and see how everything's going. Be like, okay, well, that one I moved my fingers slightly further along the ball so my knuckles were on the seam rather than the tips of my fingers. What does that do to the ball? What is that giving me? Is there anything different? Is it anything like that? So I actually have a guy that I've been going through this year. He was with Blake. Uh, Blake's been using him for multiple multiple years now. But his name's Into the Blue. He's on Instagram and stuff like that. But he goes through and does uh, heat maps on certain guys. But I also talked to him about if I'm not feeling great on the mound, if I'm doing anything, uh, can you go back and have a look at what was different between this this outing and this outing? So there was one time where he came back to me. It was uh, after the kind of the Texas Brewers series where I was kind of in a little bit of a funk. And just asked him, like, hey, what was different, if anything, just to see if I can get back. And he goes, the, your ball was actually running a little bit more than usual, so your arm angle was higher. And so I'd always assumed, like, the higher you are on the ball, or the higher your arm angle is, the more chance you've got of being true backspin. But for me, it's like I got higher, and as soon as I got higher, my, I started to pronate a little bit more, got around the ball, and the ball was kind of running into a right-handed hitter, which is... Good for some people, it's not good for me. So I was able to go out there, lower my arm angle, and then uh, go back to work. Now, you said a curveball. The pitch you're throwing, it looks like a slider that's almost reacting like a split finger. That's a curveball? No, no. So I, have, I my, the slider is the one I've been throwing anywhere from, uh, let's say, 87 to 92, I think I got up to this year. So that one's the slider. Okay. The curveball is the one that's anywhere from usually like 82 to 86. So the curveball is a little bit bigger of a, bigger of a break, but I don't throw it as much. So for me, my slider is my definite number two pitch. But just having that third pitch, which is a little slow, a little bit bigger break, it's just nice being able to throw that and kind of get it off, kind of get off kilter and stuff like that. So if I'm going to go curveball, then I can try and go, or if I go slider, the next time out, I can throw a little bit slow with a little bit more break and see if I can get him to chase thinking it's a slider. Yeah, because your slider has some great downward break right now, not the traditional kind of, you know, kind of the way it breaks to the side. It's just going straight down almost like a split. Yeah, it's been it's been working well lately. Last night I wasn't entirely happy with the way it came out. Luckily I was able to get through it, but um, it's definitely something that has been my go-to pitch this offseason or this, this season. Not only with the fire, I mean, I throw like 70% fastballs or something ridiculous like that. So, I mean, everybody knows that a fastball's coming. If I can get them off that fastball scent by just throwing a couple sliders here and there, that's, all, that's, that's the goal. When you're down in the bullpen and you're warming up, how much is it how I feel in the bullpen? Because sometimes, as we know, something's not working down there. Does that, when you get onto the mound, do you, do you not worry about that and you're still going to have conviction on, on what you have, your three pitches, or what you do down the bullpen? Sometimes I go, eh, I don't know if that's working tonight. I'm kind of concerned if my slider's on in the bullpen because it usually means it's not going to work in a game. So if I'm hanging a slider or not throwing the not throwing it well in the bullpen, I'm usually golden because I'll go out there and throw a couple. And for me, it's just I need a hitter in the box for some of my breaking stuff. I just need someone in the box so that I can kind of gauge where I'm going to start it, where I'm going to finish it. And it's just, uh, yeah, sometimes you need that little bit of extra motivation of having a guy in the box. But, yeah, I mean, in the, in the, uh, out in the bullpen, it doesn't really affect me too much how I feel because there's been times where I've felt absolutely terrible and they've been my best outing. So it's just, uh, <laughs> like, I felt, I felt really, really good at the All-Star game and I ended up giving up a homer. So it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, for me, it's just uh, I don't take too much what happens in the bullpen seriously because – I mean, you, you can't mind you can't mind screw yourself in the bullpen before you even get into the game. It's just not how no, it's, you're not going to end up well. How much fun is it at this time of the year where all these games matter so much, and every single night it's about the postseason and where you stand in the standings? This has got to be a blast for you. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I try not to look at uh, look at the standings too much because if I start scoreboard watching, it's just a bad mix. And I feel like uh, I've told a couple of guys that just uh, don't worry about what happens. Like we can only can control what we can control doesn't matter how the Rays are doing, doesn't matter how the Indians are doing, the Twins, the Astros, doesn't matter how those teams are doing. 
if we don't take care of business, it doesn't matter. Like, at the end of the day, we need to go out there and do what we need to do. And the last couple of games there, maybe we'll have a look. But uh, before that, don't bother with it because you're just going to get yourself into a tizzy. And talk about what it's like when you prepare for a lineup like what they have. Uh, well, I prepare exactly the same as I do for every other team, no matter what lineup they've got. It's just uh, I'm pretty much going to throw fastballs as hard as I can away every now and then in, and then slide us down. I mean, I don't I don't change my approach to what the hitter does. I think that was the, that's been one of the weaknesses of me in the past. I've been trying to focus too much on what they do well and not enough on what I do well. Like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give everybody exactly the same stuff. Like, I'm going to go fastballs away or in. And, a, and breaking balls down out of the zone every now and then throwing for a strike to keep them honest. But, I mean, if I start changing my mindset, the way I approach the game, it's uh, that's when I get into trouble because I'm giving the hitter too much credit. That's what I love about you is the fact that you change your mentality where you say, you know what, I'm going to do it my way. And the way that has changed the way you're now throwing with conviction like more than ever before, it really it wasn't about the talent. It wasn't about the arm. It was all about what's in between your ears. Oh, 100%. I always, like, looking back on stuff, I've always had the fastball. Even if it's been 93, 94, or anything like that, I've always had the fastball to be able to blow guys away. But I never pitched with enough conviction, or I was always behind in the count by trying to be too fine. I just, uh, I really screwed myself for, for a number of years trying to be just thinking I'm that guy and not being that guy. Yeah, well, it just shows that this game is such a mental game. Oh, Everybody's got talent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't get to the big leagues without having talent. Like, there's certain guys you get you get up here, and, like, I was a startup. When I started for the Twins, it, was, it wasn't good. Like, I was one of the best starters in AAA, like, three years in a row, but I was one of the worst starters in the big leagues for, like, three years in a row. So it's just having to be that way that I, as soon as I got up, I was giving everybody too much credit. I wasn't trying to finish the guys off, and all of a sudden I'm behind – behind everybody 2-1-3-1, one, one, and you just can't survive like that. When you see the guy that's going tonight for them, Justin Verlander, and the career that he has had, and the fact that he just keeps being great, I mean, he's just extending this career when a lot of guys at his age are starting to lose it, he's still got it. Yeah, the fact that he was able to have that kind of late late career resurgence like he had, like there was a couple years where everyone was like, oh, he's done, he's done, he's done. It's very hard to, like, overcome because either you put too much pressure on yourself because you're like, no, 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 I'm not done. I can do this. Or you start believing everybody and be like, man, am I done? Like, what, what's going to happen? Like, what, what's going on? So, I mean, I give the guy all the credit in the world for being able to go there, be what he does, and then reinvent himself and be, okay, I need to, throw, I need to go, like, as hard as I can from the very first inning because when he was with the Tigers, he was a guy where for the first four innings he'd be anywhere from 92 to 96, being able to get get guy get by guys and stuff like this, and then all of a sudden he'd be able to turn it on. I think that just being able to starting do that, he kind of lost the feel of being able to turn it on. And then as soon as he starts from the get go, it's it's always there. But like one of the most impressive things I ever saw was uh, he gave up a leadoff double in the in the fourth inning, and I don't think he threw a fastball below 97 for the rest of that inning. Struck out the side like not even caring. That was one that was in his heyday. But I mean, uh, he's able to do that now from the very get go. And that's been his biggest thing. Like, he's, he's now always going. And he, as, a, as a young guy, you can have that kind of extra level. You can take it easy, take it easy, take it easy, bring up that extra level. He's been able to find a way to do that for 100 pitches now, which is absolutely incredible. You know, he really recently had the Hall of Famer on, Tony LaRusso, and we talked about you. And he talked about you and your wife and how happy he is that you guys are, are part of ARF. What does it mean to you to hook up with someone like Tony LaRusso, who greatness on the field – but he's, like, just as great off the field what he's been able to do. Oh, I mean, you listen to the story. I mean, he started the animal rescue after finding a stray cat on the field during a game, I think, in, in at the Coliseum. Adopted the cat and then decided to start a rescue. I mean, there's not too many people that not only have the resources but just the clout to be able to go out and do that. So, I mean, the fact that he's been able to do it, and it is a fantastic rescue. There is not a single thing that I would ever consider changing about it. I mean, the guy has done a fantastic job. We actually got a call today from uh, Chad Pinder and his wife. Uh, they they, uh, they had brought on uh, his family, had uh, found a dog that someone had legitimately, they were at a gas station, someone just went to the gas station, opened up the side of their van, tossed the dog out and drove off. So they called us and were like, hey, where can we take it? We know you guys are interested in this. So we uh, we called off. We got a, got a hold of people there just to make sure that they know who was coming and uh, as far as I know, they were able to drop it off safely and, uh, and uh, the dog's been taken care of. And uh, no matter what happens, we're taking care of the medical bills if there's any for that dog. So it's just uh, being able to have that, like people come to you, be able to just not blindly give it to a shelter. 
being able to take it to one of the preeminent no-kill no, uh, no shelters is huge for us. Yes, and the new facility. Have you seen it? it Tony says it's, it's the new facility is going to be beautiful. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I think it's unless it was the one a few years ago when they had the gala because our schedule just hasn't worked out for me to go back to it. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they're all set up. If that's what it was. It was incredible. They have a number of little areas where you can have the dogs. There's cats. There's dogs. There's everything around there. But, uh it was a really cool experience, and being able to like kind of just be around a guy like Tony is huge. I mean, the guy's done so much for not only baseball but now animal rescue. It's it's awesome. Went to his gala in spring training last year, and uh, I mean, you're not going to find too many bigger names at a gala than uh, than Tony Rooster and animal and the Animal Rescue Foundation they did in Arizona. So, and talk about the cyberbullying. Yeah, so uh, my wife and I are working with it. We're doing a campaign called Strike Out Bullying, but it's uh, through a company called Stand for the Silent. And uh, they are just trying to, they're going into schools and they're trying to pretty much just gain traction in being like, hey, we want kids in school. Like everybody knows there's kids in school that are being bullied, but we want the kids that are able to have a voice and able to stand up for those kids because at the end of the day, like it's very, very hard while being bullied to be able to stand up for anything, stand up for what you've been, uh, what you've been going through and talk to people. So we know there's, uh, they've got little like flyers and stuff like that that you can fill out and you can be like, hey. Let's say uh, this this lunch, once a week, lunch, we're all going to meet in like the science room. We can just hang out, talk, just become friends. And then all of a sudden, it's like you're not alone in this. People need to realize that they're not alone. There are other people going through. I've gone through this many times this year just through social media stuff. Like my wife and I have had death threats. I mean, it's not... Um, it's not uncommon in the in the sporting world, and it's just it's getting that kind of message out there, the fact of, hey, people are going through this. You're not alone. Reach out to us. Reach out and be like, hey, look, I'm going through some stuff. Like, Send me a, send me a message on Instagram. I'll, I'm going to respond to you because I'm going to be there. I'm going to make sure that we're there. We'll see whatever we can do. I'm going to start going through schools uh, later on in the year, and we're going to do as much as we can to raise awareness just to the fact that people aren't alone. You can stand up. You've got people in your school that are going to be able to stand up for you and be able to like, pretty much tell these other guys, like, hey, back off. Like, this is, you get a union going, and every, all of a sudden it's, uh, they're not as strong when you've got a multitude of people. You're good people, my friend. We try. We try. I mean, there's a long road ahead, but uh, we're trying to do what we can, and hopefully we can make a difference. If it, if it affects a couple people, then uh, that, that's awesome for us, and uh, we're just trying to go out there and, and do whatever we can for the community. Well, you know, love to promote everything, and if we can do this on a more regular basis, let's make this thing work. Without a doubt. I'm always available. You're the best. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Liam Hendricks is good people. I mean, there's no doubt about it. <laughs> he is good people. And uh, we're talking about maybe doing something on a weekly basis, which I would absolutely love. How about Corbin Joseph? You know, what you're going to hear here is some real stuff. You know, when you're 30 years old and you got a family and you're not sure if you're ever going to make it to the big leagues again, you really got to ask, you know, am I doing what's right? Or do I need to go find another career? Well, he's been rewarded, played really, played really well down in Las Vegas for the Aviators and got the call up. And Corbin Joseph is back in the big leagues when at the age of 30, he wasn't sure if he would ever get back. And I can tell you, he's really appreciating it. Here's Corbin Joseph, A's second baseman. Corbin Joseph joins us here, who's recently come up from Las Vegas. And how about your night last night? It was a historic night here at the ballpark, but tell us what it was like for you. Oh, it was really exciting. You know, just uh, just being part of that win was uh, something special on top of, uh, you know, having that milestone of all those home runs hit. Um, you know, it was, I think it was just a great, great win all around. But how about your home run? Oh, it was uh, something I always remember for sure. You know, uh, fastball down the middle, um, put a good swing on it, fortunate enough to stay through it long enough to get it out of center field. Do you remember running around the bases? Not really. I, I kind of <laughs> after I made contact, I kind of blacked out a little bit. But you know, uh, I guess it's just surreal. Just the uh, you know the my career and, and where I've been and kind of just the past couple of uh, couple of years, you know, and then just kind of being here. It's just crazy how it just you know it all came together. Yeah, let's talk about how you're just not coming up and to the big leagues to play on some bad team. You're coming up in a playoff push. When you got, when I was it Fran Reardon who told you you were coming up? Yep. What was that feeling like knowing you're coming up here to help a team try and get in the postseason? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, uh, you know, being up here and uh, being able to try and contribute the best I can, um, you know, it, it definitely gets you ready every single day. 
and you're going up against a very good Houston Astros team. How much did you know about the Astros when you got up here? Oh, they're. I mean, I've seen them on TV. They're they're top to bottom, legit. And uh, you know, we got to be on our A game, trying to scrape out a couple games. You know, I think about your career, and you've grinded, and a lot of respect from from us who've been around the game for a long time. You know, you think that you come up in 13 with the Yankees, and last year for the Orioles. That's a lot of bus rides. It's a lot of hotels. It's a lot of not great places to go. What has your journey been like? I mean, I think it's something special. You know, um, it uh, it's been tough. Uh, you know, there's there's been multiple times where um, you know it, it just didn't seem like the stars were going to align. But you know, you just got to kind of keep pushing pushing through it and really remembering why why we play this game and you know for the love of the game and. Um, you know, just coming out every single day trying to do your best and, uh, you know, just hoping that it'd work out. And, and, you know, I'm fortunate enough that right now I'm, I'm in a big league clubhouse. No doubt about it. And, and I'm glad you said that. And it's one of the things I want to talk to you about because I know the struggles as you start getting to your mid-20s to your late-20s. You're now 30. You're going to be 31 in October. And at some point, I'm sure there's got to be that doubt where you wonder, is, is this what I need to do and keep doing it or do I need to look at another career path for my family absolutely absolutely that, that thought's gone through my mind more than you could probably count you know and uh you know you just uh you know take take uh, an opportunity for what it is and and you know until you you get all no's you know that's when it's time to hang up and um you know it's it, it's been tough for me and my family up till now just trying to figure out you know what is next is it worth you know, putting your body through that minor league grind, you know, as you get older, it, 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 it just keeps wearing on you, you know, those, those long bus rides and, and early morning flights, you know, they, they don't, they don't treat you the same as 30 as you were 25, 26, you know, so, um, you know, it definitely has crossed my mind, but, you know, happy I stayed with it, happy I kept grinding through it and, and just ecstatic to be here with this team trying to make a push. You know, look at your numbers in Las Vegas. I mean, they were stupid. <laughs> they were crazy. How good your number? What's it like hitting down there? I mean, it, it's a lot of fun. You know, it uh, it 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 flies pretty good. Um, you know, but some nights there there are nights where it plays pretty true. Um, but you know, the crowds down there are great. The fans are great. Um, it's an awesome atmosphere. Beautiful ballpark. Beautiful stadium. And uh, you know, it, it's for me. It's as, as I thought at that time was as close as I was going to get back to the big leagues. And you know, and just. You know, totally energized by the crowd down there. Taking same thing down there. We're we're in a playoff push, and uh, so you know you're taking every game same like up here. So it's that same mentality. Um, you know, every pitch, every bat, trying to contribute, trying to to win ball games, and and uh, get up on El Paso. You know, there was a time where people said, Ah, pro sports will never work in Las Vegas. It's always just going to be a minor league town. And now you look at the Golden Knights. Uh, the Raiders are moving there next year. I'm sure you've seen the stadium starting to come up there on the Strip. And then now, $150 million minor league ballpark that, as you just talked about, and talk a little bit more, that this is clearly the best facility in the minor leagues. Oh, absolutely. It's it's top to bottom and an A-plus facility. I mean, it is, uh, it's awesome to play there. You know, uh, I've been in a, a bunch of minor league baseball parks, and this is by far the only one that stood out on that top pinnacle. And thinking about Fran Reardon, we, we, we joked with him. We had him on because one of your games we played here on Ace Cast Live. And I brought him in going, the manager of the greatest offensive team of all time. <laughs> you, know, you guys came out, what was it, one game you had 11 home runs? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was crazy. That was nuts. I mean, it was, uh, you know, our, same with our lineup. You know, we have a, a cool group of guys down there. And, uh, you know, guys who hit for power, guys who hit for average speed, guys, you know. Um, a lot of young players that are, you know, showing a great amount of potential. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. Um you know, especially being, you know, as old as I am, seeing kind of where where this organization's at as far as the minor league. So for you at your age, do you fit in much better, like in a clubhouse right here where you have more older guys? I, I mean, I, I, I think I kind of fit anywhere. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty to myself, you know, but, um, you know, I, I'd enjoy, enjoyed, you know, taking the opportunity to help some of the younger guys um, through my career, being able to kind of help them maybe – maybe skip a step of what, what I feel that, you know, or what I did. And, uh, you know, just uh, really trying to take that to heart and just trying to be a good teammate and uh, regardless of the age. But, um, you know, ultimately it comes down to winning wherever you are. So, you know, trying to trying to help out the next guy and put them uh, let them put their best foot forward. You ready for Verlander tonight? Oh, yeah. I'm ready. How cool is that going to be? Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be really cool. I never got to, never got to face him. We played him in uh, – uh, the Orioles last year, and uh, I, I didn't have the start. I got a, the start off of Cole, 
um, last year. But uh, you know, my brother, my brother got the start off of him. He didn't do too hot. So hopefully, I can do a little bit better than he did. Yeah, most people don't do too hot. How, <laughs> how do you prepare to go up against someone like Verlander? Because obviously, we now talk about all the technology that's at your disposal. What 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 have you done today to get ready for your matchup tonight against him? You know, I just I kind of looked at you know how he's been pitching uh, lefties and just kind of um, you know really just kind of lock in on his own. Um, you know, and if he can make three pitches on me and and that's not where I'm looking, you know, I got to tip my cap and uh, be ready for the next at bat. And I think you know technology these days with with how crazy you can get into it. You can also kind of overcomplicate you know an approach. And so for me, I, I work best just keeping it simple, looking to spot, and hopefully he throws it there. And if he does, try and put an ace wing on it and uh, barrel it up good. Yeah, with, with everything that we have, sometimes it's better just to go back to sea ball, hit ball. That's right. That's right. Well, hey, congratulations. It, you know, knowing that you were coming up and reading your story and, and, and saw you with the Orioles last year, it just – the grind and the dedication you put into this game, you're really getting rewarded at a special time in your life. So yeah. take advantage of it, man. You got a chance to maybe go to the postseason. I know, I know. We're excited. Be starting in a postseason game. What would that mean to you? That'd be a dream. That'd be a dream. Well, thank you for coming over. We truly appreciate thank it. Congratulations yeah, appreciate on last it. night. And yep. uh, get after Verlander tonight. Let's do it. It's a good story. Hopefully he just continues to hit. Want to see him hit. How about Tom Verducci? I mean, we've been reading him for years in Sports Illustrated. We see him on the MLB Network. He also does color for games for Fox Sports 1. And and truly one of the main true journalists who you can trust in the game of baseball. And he was in town to call an A's game for FS1. And we got time to come over to our set on A's Cast Live. And it was a pleasure having him on the program. Tom Verducci is joining us here on A's Cast Live. One of the premier columnists in all of Major League Baseball. And also you get to see him on the MLB Network. How we doing? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm here for FS1 tomorrow. Astros A's, looking forward to it. Yeah, this is a, this is a very fun series. And by the way, this is a whole new thing. We're a guinea pig in Major League Baseball. We're on a twenty-four. We have a twenty-four-seven streaming station on TuneIn. Now we air the pre and post and the games live, but we have a twenty-four-seven station going on the TuneIn app, and we're the only team in baseball allowed to do this. We're the only team to have a live talk show like this in baseball. So this is this potentially is the future of Major League Baseball right here. Hey, sign me up, man! If I want my A's fix, my my inside info at two forty-five a.m., I know where to go. This is where you. You go. I can't get enough baseball, so sign me up. It's like I say, people ask me what it's like at MLB Network. It's a great place to work, but it's like cell phones. I can't imagine how we got by without it all those years. How do we get through college without the internet? You don't want to know. <laughs> no, I was there. Trust me. I, I remember you actually had to go to the library back in the day. <laughs> people are saying, What's a library? <laughs> Tonight, you know, we've been talking. We had Steve Sparks on earlier today, and it's been the great thing. All these teams have been very supportive, bringing players out and everything to be on the show. And, you know, the thing about what Verlander's doing at his age is just so special that he's kind of reinvented himself with all the technology and the great job that the Astros do with kind of remaking players and making them better. Just talk about Verlander at 36. It's pretty amazing because there was a point, I think it was three years ago, when he actually was near tears. I think it was a game in Pittsburgh where he thought his career was over with. His stuff was down. He had that sports hernia injury that really limited him physically, and his stuff just wasn't playing the same. He bounced back from that physically, even though the next year wasn't great. Gets to Houston, and we all know what the Astros have done with all kinds of pitching. Everybody seems to be better once they get to Houston. They sat him down. They said, listen, you're doing hitters a favor by throwing them two-seam fastballs. It's not a very good pitch. Here's the data. And they showed him the data, and he said, you're right. They also had high-speed cameras, which they did not have in Detroit, that showed how the ball was coming off his fingertips, literally off his fingertips the wrong way. He was able to adjust that. That slider right now, I know we all love his fastball and his curveball, but that slider is one of the best in baseball. So give him credit. He put in the extra work. The Astros found some keys to make it really play up. Um, But it's hard to see anybody else in baseball at this age who I think is better than ever. And I truly mean that for a guy who's won a Cy Young and MVP. I think his stuff is better than ever. Is this the future of the game? is not only finding young prospects, but being able to look at other teams going, you know what, if we got that guy, we can remake him and make him better. No question about that. You just hit on something that's really important in today's game. 
everybody pretty much has the same information. So what they did here in Oakland back, you know, now 15, 20 years ago, that's kind of passe. Everybody's kind of working with the same amount of information. So the inefficiency is now now is identifying underutilized talent. What do we see in a player that can make him better and get him to the next level? What, what kind of pitch is he not using well? What can we do with this swing? Uh, the Dodgers have been unbelievable at that, at finding guys like Max Muncie and Cody Bellinger in the minor leagues going through swing changes to become completely different players. So I, I think the value now is identifying these players who have a higher level to their game and unlocking those keys to do it. Now, we only hear about all the swing changes that work. There's a lot of guys out there that change their swing we don't hear about. So it's not as easy as, as just plucking somebody out and, and giving them a different pitch or a different swing. But I do think you hit on something that's really important in today's game. That's where player development is really super important, not just on people you draft, but finding people in other organizations. So we bring up the Astros, and then you bring up the Dodgers. And, uh, of course, if we go down to the desert right now, they're the two favorites to win the World Series. You know what? I think, uh, yeah, I mean, the Yankees I put as the third team in that group. Um, i got to tell you, my preseason pick was Dodgers over Astros in the World Series. I don't think that was going out on any limb. Um, but I think because those teams that you mentioned are just so deep, it's hard to imagine them in a postseason scenario that teams get through them in five or seven games, especially for me with Houston and the American League. I know the Yankees can bang anybody with anybody with uh, the power that they have, but they can't match up to the starting pitching that Houston has, and you still have to win or at least draw the first half of a baseball game in the postseason, and that's going to be hard for any team to do against Houston. Well, obviously you're here, FS1. Your game's going to be on tomorrow, and so you got to see uh – Ten home runs here at the Coliseum. This used to be a pitcher's ballpark, one of the toughest places to hit it out, and sets a record yesterday, ten home runs. What happened? I know it was a warm night, but come on. I don't think the baseball had anything to do with it, do you? It it is a different baseball this year. There's no question. Uh, Major League Baseball doesn't understand why, but they do acknowledge that there's less drag on the baseball. Less drag means when you hit the ball in the air, it's going to go a little bit farther. The leather is slicker. The seams are lower. The ball is wound tighter. All those things contribute to a baseball now that that flies a lot farther. I mean, I, I checked at the halfway point at the All-Star break. Home runs hit 450 feet or more. That's a bomb, right? 450 is the kind of home run you tell everybody about it. But now it's become commonplace, literally twice as many of those this year as opposed to last year. The only difference is the baseball. The hitters are great. Don't get me wrong. They've learned to hit the ball in the air. Uh, there's no question swings are tailored to get the ball in the air, but the baseball has contributed to a game that just pivots on home runs, and you saw that no better example than last night. You know, I, I, I kind of compare it to golf where they start making these Pro Vs so good and they were going so far that, you know, the USGA and the PGA Tour, they had to go, whoa, 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 hey, you got to <laughs> scale this thing back. And it's kind of – they've made the ball too good. But I like that analogy because you also have to give the golfers credit for taking advantage of the ball and the way they can drive it, 350, 375, 400. That's what hitters are doing in today's game. They're all leveraging their swings to get underneath the baseball and when they make contact and they're more than willing to take a third strike or three swings and misses to get those payoffs or the home run swings – They've done a great job, I think, the way young hitters are taught to get the baseball in the air because it's, as I said, it's a game. If you're a pitcher now, your job, your first job is defend the home run. That's a hard way to pitch. Wow. You can make good pitches, and, you know, even middle infielders are taking you out the other way. Remember when they said, pitch to contact. Now no, it's I, like, don't give up home runs. You know, Justin Verlander used exactly that phrase because it used to be you wanted to work the baseball off the barrel of the bat to get weak contact. Now he said... The reason why walks are up is because now you're pitching to swing and miss. Just pitching to contact is not enough. You have to miss the bat now, and that's why you see pitchers throwing more breaking balls, and that's why you see more walks. So you've been studying up on the A's. What are you seeing with the green and gold? A lot of last year, right, the second half of the season. uh, Melvin does a great job. Teams that get better as the season goes on, another case here. Um, I'm really impressed with Marcus Simeon, the way he has really improved. I just spent a lot of time talking to him because I'm – I have to tell him, I mean, it's rare for a player to get this better in all phases of the game when he's got as much experience under his belt as he already has. Credit to the work that he's done, credit to the work the A's staff has done with him. Um, Of course, Chapman is getting himself into the MVP conversation with the way he's played on both sides of the ball, especially in the last week. And i got to tell you, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by that rotation in Las Vegas as much as I am the one here. 
you know, with Harvey in the fold now, Luzardo coming back, Manaya might be the first one back into that group. It's interesting to see who's going to help this team down the stretch. You know, that's a great thing about where our office is, right? We get to see everything, and players come by, and we put the headsets on. I was watching you talk to Marcus, and I think it's a story that so many baseball fans don't know how remarkable it is that this guy was by far the worst shortstop. <laughs> it was so tough to watch. He could have made way more errors if first baseman didn't help him. He led the league in errors, and now he's a guy who could win a gold glove. Yeah, and I think it began with Ron Washington, some of the work that he did with him here, one of the great infield coaches. But, again, it's the hard work that, that Marcus has put in. You know, one of the things I talked to him about is playing next to Matt Chapman. He's actually learned some things. If you watch him take his position, he's much lower. Marcus is playing the shortstop position. He picked that up from Matt Chapman. Usually you'll see a shortstop. I always compare it to safety rather than corner in the NFL, where the shortstop is more of a read-react position where you stand a little taller. But Marcus almost plays shortstop like a third baseman where he's so low, gets in a very athletic position. Shades more to the middle of the field than he used to. All these things come into play, but again, it takes a lot of hard work. And offensively now, you're talking about a guy who has reduced his strikeout rate, I think, three or four consecutive years here. That's hard to do in today's game with as many strikeouts as they are. So uh, good luck finding another player, I think, more improved than Marcus Simeon, the way he's playing the game right now. So you know all of us in baseball are MLB Network junkies, and we all love the show MLB Now. And just to watch over the years – just to watch television with analytics, and now we have everything stat cast, and we have all this technology, to watch the way our game's covered and to watch you guys be on the show, how much fun is it to be on that show with Brian Kenny? Yeah, it's so much fun. Every show there is great. I mean, the vibe there is great. It sounds corny, but everybody who works there truly loves baseball. It's, it's our favorite sport. We're all sports fans, but everybody who works there has baseball number one, and I think that shows in what you see. Uh, on your screen, not even just so much the talent uh, the people you see on camera, but everybody behind the scenes as well. So it's really cool now, especially that a lot of this data that we have here, it's still fairly new, but I think the audience is willing and able to absorb a lot more of that. Um, it's more accepted, I think, in today's game, certainly among younger fans and younger players. Younger players can't get enough of some of the statistical information and technology and the way it's used in today's game. I think that's a great thing. Going back to what uh, the old pitching coach here, Rick Peterson, used to say, in God we trust, everybody else must bring data. <laughs> <laughs> it was true then, it's true now. Are you buying uh, the stuff in the Atlantic League could end up in Major League Baseball? I uh, Listen, it's truly a laboratory to try things out. I'm not buying the idea of moving the bound back two feet. Um, I, that's not going to happen. Uh, stealing first base, which they can do now. If you swing and miss at a pitch at strike three, it goes to the backstop. You can go run to first. That's not going to happen. Um, you know, it's nice that baseball is willing to try these things. Robot umpires aren't close to being acceptable. I think there's a day we might see it in the big leagues, but in terms of the technology, when you roll that out, that has to be 100% perfect, and we're not there yet or even close to there. They've had some issues first year, it's to be expected, but I like the idea they're willing to try these things out, that there's no more sacred cows in the game. The only thing I'd like to see is I wouldn't mind seeing a pitch clock in the major league game. Um, I think the biggest downfall in the way the game is played now is just the pace between pitches and I think baseball, the players themselves, can do a better job of giving people more action in less period of time. Because right now what we're doing is we're giving fans the complete opposite of what the entertainment world really is predicated on. We're giving people less action over a longer period of time. That is not a winning formula. That has to be addressed. Big fan. We, we truly appreciate it. And let's end on this. Yeah. It's all said and done. Are the A's in that wild card game? I'm going to say yes. Um, again, I like the way this team finishes out second halves of season. They're a hot team right now. I know the schedule starts to get difficult right here, Houston, New York, Houston. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to get stronger down the stretch with some of those pitchers I mentioned coming back. We, I've had you on my shows for years in radio, but now with this special venture, this is great, and uh, we're, we'll play in the pregame show. Thank you so much for stopping by. It's, it's always great catching up. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Steve Sparks is somebody we like to have on. We, him and Jeff Blum. Blummer, we love Blummer, we love Sparks. And to have them, they're, they're always very gracious with their time to come down to our set on A's Cast Live and talk a little baseball. As Steve Sparks, the knuckleballer, I had to ask him, with this new ball, could he throw the knuckleball with it? 
because everybody's talking about how this ball is so different. So you're going to find out the one-time athletic, could he still throw his knuckleball with this brand new ba- the brand new juice baseball in 2019? Here is Steve Sparks. Steve Sparks with us once again. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. How you doing? Well, we for us it's playoff baseball right now. Yeah. Right? I, I get mean, it. it is what it is. I get it. You know, the Astros have kind of set the standard here. Bob Melvin just said that in the the dugout a while ago. That's the gold standard right now and uh, to beat the best right now, you get you got to play uh, almost perfect baseball, and, and Oakland played almost perfect baseball last night and got the win. I mean, you pitched here for many years. I mean, you just shocked seeing 10 home runs at the Coliseum in never, a game? Never have seen the ball fly like that, and, and I don't think anybody has. I mean, it was just the perfect storm, and you, you can talk about the the baseball all you want, but I think it was the, the heat, uh, the weather and whatever, and we're seeing bigger and stronger players. More and more, and everything was flying out last night. It was fun. It was a fun game to call. Uh, it was entertaining, and uh, Oakland came out on top. So, Tanner Roark, the athletics trade for him. We're doing the show here, uh-huh. right? And everybody's, like, excited. And then all of a sudden, it's like 108 after the deadline here, West Coast time. And it's like, Zach Greinke, are you kidding me? What were your guys' reaction when you heard, this rotation is already incredible, but now you're adding Greinke to it. You know what, Jeff Blum and I had just walked into the clubhouse, you know, and it was probably 07. We were saying, well, it, you know, not, not many people did a whole lot at the trade deadline. Is that the, the saving grace? You, you heard about Sanchez coming aboard. And then right when we came into the clubhouse, we hear this eruption. Then we find out immediately that Zach Greinke, uh, was coming to the Astros, and you're just going, man, that front office stepped up. We found out who they gave up, and, and we've known these guys pretty well now. We we keep close tabs on some of the pieces they gave up, and they gave up four really good ones. Uh, but to get uh, Grinky right now, and you look at the Astros and how they're uh, kind of set up right now, and you're looking at the at the window of opportunity to go out there and try to win a World Series, uh, the front office stepped up and gave him uh, possibly a third ace. You know what I love about the deal? I love about the deal where the owner, Jim Crane, comes out and not worried about the money. It's right. about winning a title. And we have so many of these front office guys who are all thinking alike. And I was talking about before the trading deadline. The problem is you have a bunch of people who are data-driven people. And data-driven people, numbers people, they're not risk takers. Right. That's why they get into the numbers. That's why they love that. Numbers, you're not risky when you're dealing. You let the numbers make the decision. It's so gotta, It's got to be a blend doesn't it we don't have the old jack mckee and trader jacks uh, we don't we, we don't miss have, that we don't have guys. well yeah i'll tell you what luno I, went out and did something like that he did you know what it's from the blessing of jim crane the owner and he's a baller man he's a, he's a great athlete uh, he's a competitor and without him at the helm of this team he was very patient he, you know and he took it on the chin for two or three years and, and said you know what here's our plan they're very transparent we've got to build this farm system up if we're going to be able to sustained success it's got to be you know with a good farm system uh, we'll put pieces together but i am not spending money right now until it makes sense and it didn't make sense for two or three years and in true to his word jim crane spent the money when, when they went out there and got cold they got verlander now Grinky, and uh, he'll do the the same with other free agents as long as that window is still open for the astros does this probably mean and i mean this is after the season long term does this probably mean garrett cole will probably not come back you know what i would say yeah you know, it's probably less of a chance just because where they are payroll-wise. If there's any chance, you know what, it's really hard to make that kind of a six- or seven-year commitment to a pitcher anyway, isn't it? Yeah, you know what, I, I could see doing it with a young, you know, position player. But to, to go that length for, for a pitcher, it'd be hard to stomach for me, uh, thinking that probably one of those years you're going to lose them due to a, an injury. And it's just that's the track record of all pitchers. So Cole uh, is definitely a huge part of this team, uh, not only on the field but in the clubhouse. But uh, I would say, uh, true to your point, I, I think that probably means much less of a chance the Astros will be able to re-sign him. You know how much we've had to battle Justin Verlander over the years. I know. I mean, it's just from the Tigers now to the Astros. I mean, how does he? How does he keep doing it? How does he keep sustaining this? Man, he's a studier. He's he's a tinkerer. Uh, he does everything he can with it with the high-speed cameras to, to figure out what do I have to do to get my fingers in a perfect position to get the maximum spin on all these different pitches. And he's not going to quit until he gets it in a perfect position. So 
Uh, he's learned what to do as far as his workouts to take pressure off of his back. He doesn't do deadlifts and things like that. So he's made these little adjustments to make sure he can maintain. And, and you've seen this many times where he's coasting along at 93, 94 miles per hour through the first four or five innings. And then you look up in the seventh inning, he's blowing at 98 still. Uh, and to be able to do that at 36 years old, it's special. He's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. Oh, I think everybody in the A's knows. Yeah, they do. <laughs> I, I get it. Everybody in the AL West knows. I mean, he's he's been unbelievable. I think he's like 22-5 and five against the AL West since he's coming to the Astros. Yeah, his dominance is unbelievable. And actually, I was down in the bullpen today and looking at the iPad as Brett Anderson was doing his bullpen uh-huh. and the Rap Soto camera is there and looking at every single pitch and every single pitch you're seeing the spin rate and spin efficiency and all these different things. It's amazing the technology these guys have at their hands for just every single pitch the way you can analyze it. Yeah, and the cool thing I think with the Astros, and I'm sure the A's are the same way, is all these guys are talking to each other all the time too. Well, try this, try this. and Are you allowing for pronation with your arm? All this stuff is is driven to where you can see, like, what do I have to do to get my fingers perfectly on top of the ball to get the maximum spin rate on my four-seam fastball? And they've figured out a lot of those things. That I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're, they're cutting edge just because you don't want to sound arrogant about what you can bring to the table, but I think it's a little bit cutting edge because you have some really brilliant minds in the dugout that can bounce ideas off of each other. What do you think the knuckleball would have looked on those cameras? That's the no-spin rate. <laughs> you know, I would have loved it. You know, there was often uh, – times where I would go two or three starts where I couldn't really take the spin off very well and I knew my hand wasn't in the proper position I would have loved the cameras to be able to see where I needed to get to to stay behind the ball better yeah you would because it doesn't spin it would it doesn't spin at all yeah that's the that's the idea you're trying to take the spin off so the air cuts through the seams and makes the ball just act stupid Uh, but that was that was the thing it's more mechanical that pitch than any other pitch because your hand has to be in a perfect position in that little window of your release point uh, to take the spin off. When Cody told me today that w- we had you coming on the show, the number one question I wanted to ask you, because the last time we had you on, I forgot to ask you this. Okay. The baseball's different. We all know that. Right. What would this baseball with really – there's really not that much seams like there's, there used to be. No, there's not as much seams. And it, knuckleball, you want to dig into the seams. Nope. You want no? to keep every every single finger off of the seams. So that's including your thumb and your ring finger that are your guides on the ball. And everything else is off of the seams because you don't want to cause any kind of a drag on the ball because of the seams. So the seams wouldn't matter that much other than the, the ball may not move as much. But what I can tell now with the baseballs, uh, when I grab one during batting practice or whatever, is I can dig my fingernails into the ball and not see an impression in the height of the ball. So it's like a cue ball is what it feels like. So you don't really have a good grip on the ball. So I think it would be brutal uh, for the knuckleballers right now. I'm anxious to see what it's like next year. I think they'll scale back. There's a spectrum of what they can do with the baseball. I think they'll, they'll go to the other side of the spectrum as far as uh, the drag and, and how tight it is and all that stuff. But uh, Right now, it would be brutal for any knuckleballer. See, I had no idea how you were going to answer that. Yeah, because really? the knuckleballers, I didn't know if you were going to say I'd love it or I'd hate it. So you'd hate it. I'd hate it, yeah. Um, I remember asking Phil Necro one time. I was pitching in Milwaukee early in my career, and it'd be cold and windy. And when it was cold and windy, the ball f- feels slick anyway. And I said, did you do anything on days like that when the ball felt slick? And it would feel slick every night now with the way the, ba- the baseballs are. But he said he would find some concrete somewhere around the stadium and scratch his fingernails somewhere uh, on that concrete to make his fingernails a little jagged so he could dig into the ball a little bit better. So that happened in my last start in 1995. I scratched my fingernails on that surface, and it split it right up the middle. I had to go out there and pitch with that, you know, fastball, slider, curveball, no knuckleball that <laughs> night because I had to let it rest for an entire offseason. You know, it's funny is recently we had the, the Necro game where I – was he with the Twins or – the Emory board game. That was Joe Necro. Was that Joe Necro? Yeah, yeah. 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 So they wanted to say, hey, hey, what do you have in your pocket? So yeah. he, tried to, he tried to pull it out <laughs> uh, and tried to fake him off, and the umpire just looking off to the side watching this thing tumble out of his pocket. Oh, God, the good it old was days. perfect, yeah. Was there, was there a fraternity amongst you guys? Oh, no question. Yeah, so Joe Necro, Phil Necro, Charlie Huff, Tom Candiotti, former A, and uh, Tim Wakefield, they're, all of us. We, we talk to each other every time we get together. One of the coolest experiences I had, Early in both Tim Wakefield and I's careers, we met at Fenway Park with Phil Necro out in the bullpen for about three or four hours before batting practice started. Right, We just had lunch early at 11 o'clock, met out in the bullpen, and just just talked shop for three or four hours, and it was phenomenal what he was able to pass along. 
Why do we not see that anymore? I mean, well, it, right it, now you don't see it because of the baseball. Stephen Wright's with the Red Sox. I think it's going to come in vogue again. You, you start talking about all these guys and how they can study the spins of, of pitches. And if you have something as unpredictable as the knuckleball, I think that's going to really play into uh, what teams might want to be able to do. And back in the day, you know, in between starts, I would go out to the bullpen and, and save them an extra reliever because I could throw out of the bullpen in between starts. So uh, that's an, that's another luxury if you want to keep an extra guy on the bench that way. Yeah, I didn't really hear about Tommy Tommy John with knuckleballers. No, there, there's not many guys that uh, – the, the biggest luxury with that pitch, you get a little bit sore, but you didn't have to rely on velocity to go back out there pretty soon, even if you were, you know, going out there with maybe a sore arm or anything like that. You never had to rely on velocity. You, know, you could throw it a little bit slower, and that was fine. Because when you guys got it going, you basically become huge innings eaters. Yeah, that's right. You know, uh, I led the, the major leagues in complete games one year. You're just out there, and that's where you make everybody else better because you can give the bullpen a break so the guy behind you in the rotation and the guy after that have fresh bullpens pitching in their games. You know, if the knuckleballer's doing what he's supposed to be. A complete game. What, 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 what's a complete game? I know. Game? They, they're extinct now. <laughs> no, they didn't care. I mean, if they hurt me, they didn't care. So they just <laughs> left me out there. They're concerned, uh, they're concerned with the relievers and, and the other guys following me in the rotation. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the niche of a knuckleballer is eat up innings and, and hopefully keep the team in the game. Let's end on this. So, essentially, one of the teams from the Central win the division, either the Twins or the Indians. Right. The Indians have been hot. Twins have gotten back on top. And then basically it's between the Athletics, one of the central teams, and the Rays. If you had to bet on it, who do you think the two wildcard teams I are? I think Oakland's in it. I really do. And I'm not saying that because we're, we're here in the Bay Area. I think Oakland is a great team. Um, I think they have a lot of components that uh, you need to, to get into that situation. Mike Fires pitching like an ace this year. Um, their lineup is, is vastly improved and I think more than anything what this team has improved is their defense I mean, we used to come here a couple of years ago and uh, they were beating themselves up nightly giving your your team an extra out every other inning uh, so they do a lot of things really well and I have utmost respect for Bob Melvin I think he runs his bullpen as well as anybody uh, then I would say the twins I think the twins uh, are a good team their offense is really good I think they've sputtered a little bit in the back end of the rotation uh, second half wise but uh Probably guys getting the second win, and whoever uh, – I think Cleveland will probably win that division because their pitching's clicking pretty good, and their offense with Jose Ramirez getting hot again is pretty potent. But I think the Twins and the uh, the A's, and who knows? I mean, I'm sure the A's aren't looking outside of the division. I'm sure they're shooting for the Astros, but uh, I think a lot of people would say the Astros are certainly favored at this point, and I think Oakland will get in too. Well, Astros are favored with the Dodgers to, to win the World Series. Who knows? So. I mean, so, <laughs> the, the, it's such an art, and it's so tricky to see who's hot, who's healthy, all those things when you get into the playoffs. The Astros were really hot going into the playoffs two years ago. Boston was last year, and they knocked out the Astros because they were better and they were hotter at that particular time, and they were more healthy. So a lot of things go into it. Uh, but you line things up as well as you can, get guys in, in position to uh, be at their best at the right time. A little BP to warm you up. We always appreciate you coming down. It's awesome, and uh, have a good call tonight. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Well, I'd like to thank my guests, Liam Hendricks, Corbin Joseph, the great Tom Verducci, and Steve Sparks. You've been listening to A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend as we're coming down the stretch here for the Oakland Athletics. It's a sprint to the finish line. Just a couple more homestands. Always come out and say hello to me in the treehouse. You've been listening to A's Unfiltered here on A's Cast, powered by TuneIn. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.